Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for the Kansas Prevention Talks podcast. I'm Janelle, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Heather. Hello, everybody. We are a part of Wichita State University's Community Engagement Institute and the Kansas Prevention Collaborative. We are also joined by our fantastic producer, Michelle Edwards. As always, send us your feedback or suggestions to kpcteam at wichita.edu. Let us know what you want to hear on the podcast. We have a really cool interview today, but before we get to that, I do want to share June's Prevention and Media. This month's Prevention and Media is a five-part documentary called The Me You Can't See. Oprah Winfrey and Prince Harry join forces to guide honest discussions about mental health. The series features illuminating stories from across the globe, giving us the opportunity to seek truth, understanding, and a newfound hope for the future. Now, I am only two episodes in, um, but it's it's really good so far. Um, I'm finding it really interesting, but for me, there's not a lot of new information. However, I am watching with my husband, who has a much more limited understanding of mental health, and he is learning a lot and is really intrigued by the show, which kind of surprised me, but I'm happy about it. Uh, He's learning a lot just about mental health in general, um, but also himself and other people in his life. And I really appreciate that it pairs the stories about mental health with experts who can talk about um, the science. And Dr. Bruce Perry is one of those experts, and he helps explain how trauma affects the brain. So it's very interesting. I really um, recommend watching it if you have the chance. You can watch The Me You Can't See on Apple TV, and that does have a seven-day trial if you don't have an account. And now it's time to hear from our guest. But don't forget to stick around after the interview to hear this month's Coalition Spotlight. Our guest this month is Alyssa Spencer. Alyssa is a student at Wichita State University and just graduated in May with her master's in social work. Alyssa was a practicum student with CEI this last year, and she now works with Stop Suicide ICT, where she will be assisting in implementing the Zero Suicide Framework in Cedric County. MSW students at Wichita State complete a final semester project. They select a topic that's important to the social work community and to them. And Alyssa has joined us today to share her project. Well, hey, Alyssa. Uh, good morning. Thanks for joining us today. We're excited to have you on. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Um, well, we have you have a lot of really great stuff to share um, that you've been researching all semester. And so can you start by just giving us um, an overview of the project that you've been working on? Yeah, sure. So, um my project has to do with redlining in Wichita, Kansas, in our community. And uh, basically, after the Great Depression, um, we the Homeowners Loan Corporation was um, the HOLC. They are they were giving out mortgages, kind of with the rates and terms that you see today. This is kind of where the mortgages started um, to people in the United States who were needing money to buy homes. So they were trying to promote this growth. Well, um, they needed to assess the neighborhoods and assess homes in order to give out these mortgages because they didn't want to give mortgages to risky homes, basically, um, or risky families that weren't going to be able to pay them back. And so what they did was they employed local real estate agents in each city to go and make a map of the homes and the neighborhoods in their city. 
And homes were judged um, based on the quality of the home, the quality of the homes around it, access to resources and racial compositions in the neighborhood. And they were graded on a scale from A to D and A was green. So the it, on the map, the, it was highlighted in green. And those were the best quality neighborhoods, um, white suburban areas, lots of access to resources, access to education, um, close distance to school and parks and things like that. And then it went all the way to the D neighborhoods, which were in red, which is where redlining comes from. And that was based on your access to resources as well. A lot of these neighborhoods didn't have very good um, access to those resources. They didn't have... Uh, good quality. They were in urban areas and they also were immediately given a negative or red D if they had any type of um, people of color, especially black populations. So this was done in the 30s, right? Yes. Yeah. And you had mentioned something when we talked earlier about the manual or the rules that were followed for this. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So the HOLC, they actually created, it was called an underwriting manual. And it was a manual for these real estate agents, the ones who were creating the maps to go and it was rules for them or guidelines and how to grade their um, neighborhoods. And in this manual, one of the rules was if they had any type of black population, it should automatically be graded a D. Um, and if it was a a neighborhood that had okay resources or good resources, and it was adjacent to a black neighborhood, um, they, there was possible infiltration is what they said. And so it was automatically graded either a C depending on the resources or a B, um, but it could never be green. So the best neighborhoods could never be next to the black neighborhoods or people of color, um, because of this, this perceived uh, infiltration that may happen, and they didn't um, feel that these racially different groups would mix well together. So essentially, it was a racist rule book manual set up to outline the neighborhoods for mortgages, but it didn't just affect um, the mortgages that people were able to get for these different communities. Can you tell us more about what else this influenced? Yeah. So um, like we mentioned before, these were definitely overtly racist and discriminatory discriminatory, uh, practices that were legal back then. And so these, the HOLC would not give people of color or black people mortgages, which ended up pushing them into urban areas, into these degraded neighborhoods that didn't have access to resources. They didn't have access to water and food there in Wichita, there are food deserts in these areas. And so basically in Wichita, this pushed black communities kind of to the center of Wichita, right? Um, And then these communities now don't have a way to move out of these urban deteriorated areas that have been neglected now by the government because they're putting their money and their resources into the green areas, into the good suburban white areas. And so this has even implications today. And mm-hmm. in Wichita, there are still um, these these neighborhoods who were previously redlined now have lower 
quality of life, lower um, a, their social index, um, social vulnerability index is significantly lower. And that is basically just their um, their resilience and their abilities to mm-hmm. um, have economic security and their potential um resilience again to to because they don't have access to things right right so and a food desert is where there's not um, a grocery store within um, however many miles of a community I'm not sure the exact number right but yeah if you look at a at um, Wichita for example because a lot of your research was based in Wichita um, but it didn't just happen in Wichita it happened and lots of cities, but that's exactly what I was wondering, Janelle, how, you know, how this happened outside of just even Wichita. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but that was, I just want to keep going back to a policy Mm -hmm. that was outwardly racist in the 1930s. How, if you look at a map today of Wichita, that policy is still impacting these communities that were redlined almost a hundred years ago. And so today there are food deserts in those areas. Um, And yeah, like you said, a food desert is where there's not a grocery store within so many miles of a community. Um, And I think it also has to do with the quality of grocery store. I believe there's something with that because I, I think, um, yeah, I, I should have pulled that up before. I, I apologize, everyone, but um, you can Google food desert and learn more about what that is and also be able to look up if um, there are food deserts in your community as well. I think it does have to do with access to fresh f- fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. as well. So I think that plays into the quality of grocery right. store that you're talking about. Yeah, because I'm thinking like a Dollar Tree has canned foods right. and foods, but I don't think a Dollar Tree... Dollar Tree qualifies as a grocery store. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So these um, neighborhoods that had been previously redlined today still have disparities in all different areas. They have financial and economic disparities, educational disparities. They still don't have the good, um, sc- good quality schools and access to that education. Um, there are in the 1960s is when Highway uh, I-135 was developed. And this was built to go right through the heart of the Black community in Wichita. So not only from the, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, were these, um, were the Black population of Wichita pushed into the urban area. But then in the 60s, this highway, this interstate was built, which further divided their community. And so now they they forced people out of their homes. Businesses had to close or relocate, um, and this further impacted them. And this still has implications today. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about some of the health disparities that came along with the interstate being put through a community? Especially referring to I one thirty five, what happened was so the trees now are gone in that area, so there's no tree cover, shade cover, so it's actually even hotter in this area than it is in other parts of Wichita. Um, The asthma or the pollution from the cars on the interstate has now caused 
um, or is thought to cause greater instances of asthma in people that are living in these areas. So those are two like direct implications of building this building of this highway. And it's not pretty. No, it's it's not aesthetically pleasing. Um, and again, cutting down the value of mortgages right. in these areas. Yeah, further de- further devalues their homes, and um, like I said, then the businesses. Some businesses weren't able to continue, and they either had to move or start something new. And their businesses aren't worth anything, so they can't really sell it uh, to to move up or move right. out or move right. away. Exactly. Um, let's talk more about the different health disparities. You kind of um, you you talked about them a little bit in general. Um, but as far as comparison in um, money that was then, because we know I have a very general idea of how government funding works, but the government decides which communities get money and for what, um, whether that's road, updating, um, sewage, uh Streetlights, parks, yeah, yeah, all of that type of stuff. Schools. Um, mm-hmm. So, can you tell us more what you found with your research in those areas? Yeah. So, um, the in these areas, uh, some of the main di- discrepancies or disparities um, are the minority percentage. So, in in the re- previously redlined areas, the um, there are much higher populations of minorities. Kind of in the green suburban areas, there's definitely a higher population of whites even today. Um, life expectancy is cut about uh, eight to ten years. It from green neighborhoods to red neighborhoods in Wichita alone. Um, so in the same community, in the same city, your life expectancy can change depending on what neighborhood you live in. Um, the The poverty rate jumps from about 8% in the green neighborhoods to 50% or over in the previously redlined neighborhoods. Um, and then for as for the disease and the health disparities, um, like I mentioned, asthma is higher. There's also higher um, percentage of diabetes, um, and that could be connected to the to the food deserts that are in this area. People don't have access to quality nutrition. Um, the high blood pressure increases. Your mental health problems increase. Obesity, pulmonary disease, kidney disease. Um, their rates of cancer are increased. So really, it's just about everything that you can think of uh, is going to be worse in these neighborhoods. Um, not to mention the economic dispar or the sorry the educational disparities. Um, so, as I mentioned before, the access to schools, the um, the government or whoever has put more money into providing for these schools that are um, higher quality, basically. And between the 30s and the 40s, before it was illegal to discriminate um, or segregate schools, when it was legal, then... They, the government would overtly put all of their money into the white schools. They would build new schools for white kids. They would, um, they would keep up those schools. And so they have this access to this education and where they would just completely ignore these, the, the schools that the people of color went to. Mm-hmm. And they would not give them any um, extra attention, any money, any, like hardly any funding. Mm-hmm. And so this... They they had lower quality teacher, lower lower quality education because Mm -hmm. of this. 
So I want to connect um, why we're talking about this on the Prevention Talks podcast. Um, it's, I mean, it's an incredibly interesting topic and um, very informational on just something that maybe a lot of people aren't aware of or they are aware of it and they don't know much information about it or you might be very well versed on this topic. Um, but Alyssa, your project was mainly based, mainly research which talk. And if um, you're listening to this, you look in the show notes, all of Alyssa's sources are in the show notes. Um, so please take time to look through those. There's some really informational stuff in there. There's also, um, you can, we'll have the map linked in there so you can see the actual map and the color, colors that, um, were outlined in this map in the 30s. And if you're familiar with Wichita, I'll kind of give you a little bit of an overview so you can kind of picture some of this outlining. So um, on the map, there are two green areas. One is pretty big and it is on the, um, it's the east eastern part of Wichita, which at the time was the most eastern part of Wichita, but um, today we think of it as um, College Hill and Eastboro area is where it's green on the map. Um, and then the other green part was um, North Riverside, or what we think of today as North Riverside. So if you're familiar with Wichita, those were the green areas. And then there's blue and yellow na neighborhoods around those two green areas. Um, and then kind of where we think of Basically, if you are familiar with Interstate um, or I-35 um, or 135, sorry, red is just going right down the center of Wichita, downtown, and then where that interstate is, is all red. Um, and so take time to look at that. And the reason that we wanted to talk about this on the Prevention Talks podcast is because it didn't just happen in Wichita. It happened in cities across the U.S. Um, after the Great Depression. And so you can look up your town and try to find that information. Um, and that can be very informative and it's data for what is going on in your community right now. Yeah, I really encourage our coalitions to really think of the zoning in their area and really looking at how you can make an informed decision on selecting some of those strategies that you really want to make a big impact. Because we're looking at things that happened in the 30s. They have long-lasting impact. And um, I'm, a, I'm a really strong believer that you know, we can learn from our history. Let's, let's not repeat our history, but let's really learn from it. And then let's make some changes so that we can impact maybe some of the things that were done um, not right and um, not helpful to uh, um, our community members. And so, again, I'd really uh, encourage coalitions to look at their zoning and really look at those health disparities and look at those areas and maybe where you can focus some additional um, attention and some additional resources that are beneficial. But I'd also encourage you to not only look at the zoning, but I'd encourage you to reach out to those neighbors there and um, seeks um, input and collaboration with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Alyssa, um, you have a tool where you can search your own town. Is that right? Yeah, it's, um, it's very cool. It's called Mapping Inequality, and we'll provide the link. 
you can search your town. They've they've put together the entirety of the U.S. as best as they can so far. There's st- it's still work in progress, but you can search anywhere in the U.S. and it's going to pull up if there's information, if there's a if there's a map there, if there's notes that went along with the map. It's it's all in there. So Alyssa, you're graduating, um, or when this came out, you will have already graduated. And these, <laughs> you know. Um, can you tell us why this is something that is important to the social work um, profession as a whole and specifically for you? Definitely. Uh, so as social workers, we do abide by a code of ethics and our primary goal is service. And in order to serve, we have to understand why people need what they need. So it's not just, oh, this person is in poverty they they need a job. Well, it's more it's more why why are they in poverty? How has this systemic systemic racism affected uh, these these populations? And it, it's all of these uh, intersectional things that that create people. And so it's important to know why to know what's happening so that we can address those problems and hopefully fix them. Um, social justice is also in our code of ethics, and this is a big one in this in this topic. Um, we need to challenge this. We need to challenge the social injustice that has happened and that is still happening because of the f- effects of this redlining. So even though these are not overtly legal practices anymore, they they still affect people today. They still affect communities of color. They still affect the Black community. And they're still being discriminated against in um, in not so obvious ways. And so it's important for us to know that and so that we can address that in policy issues and community issues. We need to advocate um, for ways to, to repair these problems and to stop this, um, this gap, these inequities in healthcare in um, the, the social inequities and in economic and financial disparities, we we need to be aware of these policies so that we can advocate for how to f- how to address them and fix them. Well said, and like Heather said a little bit ago, um, we're encouraging all of the coalitions to find out um, if this if there's a map. I'm sure there is in your community and what it looks like, and then apply that to your work with prevention. Um, finding out another thing with food deserts. Um, we know that there is a food desert in Wichita, if not a few, few food deserts in Wichita. Um, I know that a couple years ago, a couple Wichita city council members were working on that policy to try to fix it. I don't believe there has been much headway, um, but that is something as a prevention coalition is important policy for us to be aware of and um, to be advocating for uh, better policy to eliminate food deserts and to provide uh, quality grocery stores with fresh food in all neighborhoods that are affordable. I think really becoming more informed um, and recognizing that just because you don't know it doesn't mean that it didn't happen or it's not happening. Totally. And I know when I was listening to Alyssa share some of the things that she had learned, I was just like, wow, I lived in Wichita for so many years of my life and I had no idea, no idea. And not that it just happens in Wichita. I feel like, um, you know, if you do some more research wherever you might live, it's going to be the same thing. And so I really encourage you, look at our uh, our notes, 
and look where you can find some of those resources that Alyssa generously shared with us. Um, I know you talked about a book that you had read. Um, I'm definitely going to seek that out and I hope it's in the meeting. It's in these notes. And um, I, I just encourage the more, you know, the more you can grow and the more you can definitely have an impact. Yeah. Alyssa, can you um, share the name of that book? Yeah. It's called the color of law. And so even though it, it is about how there's been all these discriminatory practices um, legally and illegally um, through policy and through local, state, and federal law. Mm-hmm. Um, this The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. Okay, thank you, and we'll we'll put that in the show notes as well. So yeah, please please take time after listening to t- to today's episode to um, look at the resources that we have linked and really start researching if you're not already aware of these practices in your community. Um, research them and share them with the rest of your coalition and see um, what you can do to advocate for um, righting some of those wrongs. Alyssa, this has been so informational and educational. Um, Thank you for sharing your research with us. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. Do you all mind if I just jump in real quick? Is that okay? Oh, this is the producer. <laughs> I just, as I was listening, um, I think it's really beautiful what you were talking about food deserts. And I just wanted to notate that a lot of these things you kind of mentioned are compounded. Um, and I think, so talking about like where people live, I personally live downtown, uh, but I have access to a car. So I can drive to the bougie upper, you know, east side Dillons. And I think that is just an important thing to note as well as a lot of these things are compounded. Like it's important not to just think, you know, this is a one dimensional thing as far as like redlining, but you mentioned social determinants of health. There's all these things that just kind of add up and layer into making the problem really terrible. So I just in listening and thinking about the conversation, I appreciated that you kind of brought out this multidimensional. It's not just entirely where you live. It's the accesses to resources that you may or may not have. Um, that's That actually is a great point. I'm going to go back for a minute, Michelle. And a good uh, last note from the producer. I like that little um, final segment. Um Speaking of living downtown and there's not a grocery store downtown and there's hasn't been a grocery store downtown in, I think there was at one point, um, maybe back in the sixties, but not, not since then or something. I don't remember for sure, but to say that there has been a conversation about putting a grocery store downtown. However, that conversation started when, um, young professionals, millennials started when, apartments started getting um, redesigned, updated. The revitalization. Um, Yes, revitalization. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Um, And young professional millennials started moving in. And now suddenly there is a conversation about putting a grocery store downtown. Um, So just to point out that we are still seeing the ramifications of this map. And then also... um, there are still trends going on to that go along with resources going towards the communities that have more money or are um, 
wider in population. So have a voice. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, Alyssa, thank you so much for um, joining us today. It was really educational and we really appreciate um, you coming on here and sharing your research with us. Um, and I, it might've been mentioned earlier, but I'll mention it again. Um, this is just a starting point for everybody. We want you to, um, research your community, find out more information about your community and be able to put it, um, use it, use that data for making a difference and advocating for policy change in your community. So thanks, Alyssa. Thank you, Alyssa. Yeah, thanks for having me. This month's Coalition Spotlight, I'm sharing with our listeners, United for Youth. Nemaha County United for Youth began in 2008 with the reward of a five-year grant. The grant allowed the start of the coalition in order to provide a partnership and resources to the schools in the community. When the original grant was completed, the primary source of funding was and still is a percentage of sales tax from liquor sales in Nemaha County. Contributions from towns and smaller grants and donations also help the coalition to continue to thrive. United for Youth works closely with the schools, and when United for Youth first began, only one school, Nemaha Valley, now Nemaha Central, had a sad organization, Students Against Destructive Decisions. At that time, the sad sponsor was paid a small stipend. United for Youth helped the other three county coalitions begin and support a chapter. Each of those SAD sponsors are assisted from the United for Youth, and each high school principal and SAD sponsor sign a memorandum of understanding each year agreeing to all the terms of the partnership to continue that partnership happening throughout continued years. The mission of United for Youth is to provide prevention tools to assist and empower all Nemaha County youth to reduce destructive decisions and encourage physical and mental health by making positive choices. When I asked them what they were most proud of, they indicated they're most proud of the positive relationships with the schools, their SAD chapters, and their continued desire to work together to make a positive impact on teens' lives in their county. To learn more about the Coalition Spotlight and United for Youth, please go to the KPC website at kansaspreventioncollaborative.org. Thank you for listening this month. We hope you found it to be a good use of your time and energy. We are always looking for other good topics for discussion. If you'd like to be a part of our podcast or know of a good topic you'd like to listen to, hit us up at kpcteam at wichita.edu. From myself and the rest of the Prevention Talks team, thank you for the incredible work you do for our state. Thanks for building up your community, problem-solving compassionately, and pouring the best of yourself into everything you do. Be kind to each other and be kind to yourself.